Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Friday, June 24th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. A rash of positive coronavirus tests among St. Louis theater makers is leading to postponements and cancellations. Leaders of smaller organizations say they can't afford those delays. We're not a giant, well-known rock band or something that can keep rescheduling over and over for two years, right, and tell you, hey, we'll see you in two years, right? It's much more immediate than that. Coming up, St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports on how theater groups are trying to stay on stage during the pandemic. A bill will be introduced today by some elected officials in St. Louis who want to use a portion of the city's remaining American Rescue Plan Act funds to support reproductive health care. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman reports. The measure creates the Reproductive Equity Fund. $500,000 would go towards supporting care for pregnant people, including expanding access to doulas. A million dollars would help cover the cost of people seeking abortions, such as transportation and child care. The abortion procedure itself would not be covered. Local governments can use ARPA dollars to support the health of communities. And Mallory Schwartz, the executive director of Pro-Choice Missouri, says that's what the Reproductive Equity Fund would do. There is a clear and direct tie between the compounded barriers that people are facing to get reproductive health care and the COVID-19 pandemic. Anti-abortion rights groups oppose using government funding to support what they see as the destruction of life, even if the abortions themselves are not covered. I'm Rachel Lipman, St. Louis Public Radio. That measure at the Board of Aldermen comes as the nation waits on the U.S. Supreme Court to determine if it will overturn Roe v. Wade. The decision could come today. Abortion rights were at the forefront yesterday when Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul met with Vice President Kamala Harris and other Democratic state attorneys general in Washington. Raoul says Illinois has been bracing for a post-Roe world and the privacy of patients seeking care is a big concern. The question is, as being ready for everything that folks may do in unfriendly states to try to make it uh, difficult for women to, to, to keep their privacy. Depending on the court's decision, Raul says his office is preparing for all kinds of litigation based on the actions of surrounding states. That includes Missouri, where leaders have postponed a measure to make it illegal for residents to cross into Illinois to receive abortion care. The backlash surrounding former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens' ad that appears to condone violence against moderate Republicans is extending to his personal life. As St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports, the ad was brought up in the U.S. Senate candidate's child custody case with his ex-wife. Helen Wade, attorney for Sheena Greitens, says the ad which shows Eric Greitens brandishing a gun and declaring it rhino hunting season has led to death threats against her client. As a part of a hearing in the child custody case between Eric and Sheena Greitens, Wade asked for a statement condemning any threats to Sheena and their children as a result of the ad. Eric Greitens was not in court. Gary Stamper, attorney for Eric Greitens, says the request was a surprise. If they want to have a press conference, they can have it on the courthouse steps. It's disingenuous to suggest that a man who shares joint legal, joint physical custody with the mother of his children would want harm to befall her. Stamper said in a statement, while they do not believe the documents provided by Sheena Greitens' attorney are examples of death threats, they still denounce them. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. 
St. Louis politicians seeking to become the next Board of Aldermen president now know how long they will have to campaign for the job. The city's Board of Election Commissioners has set the primary election for September 13th and the general vote for November 8th. Candidates will have to turn in petition signatures by July 15th. Lewis Reed resigned earlier this month after he was indicted on corruption charges. Two of his former colleagues, Megan Green of the 15th Ward and Jack Coder of the 7th Ward, have already announced they will run for the board president spot. Others are expected to enter the race. Dozens of cast and crew members in St. Louis theater productions have tested positive this month for coronavirus. That's led to some postponements and cancellations. Fewer St. Louisans are choosing to wear masks indoors, even as community spread remains high. As St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports, local theater makers are scrambling to stay on stage and stay healthy. At Opera Theater of St. Louis on Wednesday night, the pre-show scene looks a lot like it did before the coronavirus pandemic. Patrons sit at tables under green and white tents in the grassy area next to the theater, sipping drinks and waiting for showtime. Compared to last year, when Opera Theater performed on a temporary stage in the parking lot, things actually feel normal? What I'm learning is that while this may look more familiar, uh, normal is, is no longer a thing. That's Andrew Jorgensen, the general director. Opera Theater hasn't canceled any performances this season, but that's only because the theater has ample people to fill in when somebody tests positive for the coronavirus, as cast members in two of its four shows have. Jorgensen says when things go smoothly on stage, it's because of a lot of extra planning by people behind the scenes. The pianists and the assistant directors and the costuming staff making sure that we were ready uh, for these different eventualities. There were fewer options for the scrappy Cherokee Street Theater Company when it tried to stage a parody of Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill movies this month. Co-founder Ron Strawbridge says his troupe returned last year after a pandemic break with a holiday show that went off without any problems. So we're stoked and we were like, obviously we'll just go ahead and do the summer show. And then uh, uh, it gets canceled because my whole cast and crew, they get, they get COVID. <laughs> Our cast got pretty decimated with it. One day before Kill Bill was set to open, he pushed it to the fall. But the company had already invested money in sets and costumes and renting a theater. As a newer theater company with a tight budget and low profile, Strawbridge says he can't afford to spend money on a show and then just wait. It just becomes really, really hard because, again, we're not a giant, well-known rock band or something that can keep rescheduling over and over for two years, right, and tell you, hey, we'll see you in two years, right? Um, it's much more immediate than that. At New Line Theater, the show did go on after some cast members tested positive following the opening weekend of the musical Town. Artistic director Scott Miller sat in the theater before a performance last weekend while a drummer warmed up nearby. Miller says the positive tests led to some musical chairs among members of the ensemble. That's the group of singers and dancers who back up the leads. It was just that we had such a strong ensemble <laughs> that we could take two people out of it and still have a good ensemble. And those people were so strong that they could pick up the leads and, you know, memorize it really quickly and all that stuff. But he had to cancel a weekend of shows. And those three performances add up to 25% of the shows they planned on and budgeted for. All the bills were paid. We had some money in the bank. Everybody was paid. It was really great. And then the pandemic hit. 
And so now we're back to struggling again. We probably, you know, lost three pretty full houses. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Back at Opera Theatre of St. Louis, Andrew Jorgensen says he wants the public to understand that local artists are still working out how they can perform safely during the pandemic. And that's harder to do when people make less effort to contain the virus. While the rest of the world, on airplanes and in many spaces, has decided that the pandemic is over, helping to remind people that things are not business as usual is incredibly important. Local theater makers would like to see more audience members wearing masks in indoor spaces and to support local theaters that are still struggling to stay afloat. Opera Theater finishes its season this weekend, while New Line Theater preps for the last three performances of Urinetown with fingers crossed. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Brian Heffernan edited that report. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. I'm Wayne Pratt. Have a great weekend. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.